Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey everybody, I'm here with Roger Edwards of Roger Edwards Marketing, and we are in London, and you will probably hear the bells of Westminster Cathedral peeling in the background for most of this interview. <laughs> it's um, Remembrance Day, so it's a holiday, so um, that's why they're, they're ringing the bells. I wanted to invite uh, Roger on the show because I've known him for a number of years, and he's always um, been very inspirational to me. He's got an amazing energy on stage, number one. That's why I'm one of the things I'm most impressed about. And he also runs a thriving um, marketing agency. He also, we're similar in the fact that we spent 20 plus years, let's be charitable, in big corporate. Yep. And um, now he is off on his own, he's building his own agency and doing his own thing and building his own brand. So I thought it would be great to talk to him about that and um, also what he's seeing on the uh, on the horizon for um, branding and marketing from a personal and a small to medium-sized business level. Mm-hmm. So welcome, Roger. Thank you, Phil, for having me. So what a great place to have a chat. Absolutely. As you say, Westminster Abbey in the background, Remembrance Sunday, perfect backdrop, perfect yeah. backdrop. So tell us a little bit about your agency. Yeah, well, Maybe if I give you a little bit of history first of all, you've already mentioned what I call big corporate. And I, I, I worked for big corporate in the United Kingdom for about 25 years. I was, I suppose I would describe myself as a career marketing person. So a long, long time ago in the mists of ancient past, I did a, a marketing degree. I started working for a financial services company as a marketing assistant about that. I think that's about the lowest rung on the ladder. And and over the years, I I worked my way up marketing manager, marketing director. And I guess that towards the end of the 2000s, as we got towards 2008, 2009, we started to see things like Twitter emerging, Facebook became more popular. And we were starting to be able to use our phones and cameras to create video. Whereas before, all of that sort of broadcast technology would have would have cost a fortune, right? You know, absolute fortune. You know, if, if you wanted to do a video, a corporate video in 2005, you would have had to have hired the equivalent of a BBC out, yeah. out, outside broadcast studio to come in and do everything for you. But as we got towards the end of the 2000s, we were getting access to this stuff that we could start to use ourselves. And I got really into content film and producing from blogs to videos and that sort of thing but the corporates that I was working for UK financial services extremely heavily regulated industries and the resistance to using this stuff was just unbelievable it was there was an excuse for everything we can't do Twitter because we can't do video because we can't do blogs because we can't do live video because and it wears you down (laughs) It, does. <laughs> it totally doesn't down. wear you down. And, and, and I guess that circumstances came about that after 25 years, I decided that I could leave big corporate and actually go and start working with people who genuinely wanted to use right. this stuff yeah. and hadn't got those, we can't do Twitter because, you know, they 
I want to do Twitter because I want to sell more business. I want to use video because I want to project my brand and my personality. I want to do vlogging because I want to get more customers onto my email list. So I wanted to work with the people who were getting where digital marketing was going. Or nimble enough, I think, and daring enough Absolutely. to be able to do that. Absolutely. That actually brings up a topic I'd love to touch on with you, which is, you know, 20 years ago, there were there was TV, radio, outdoor. You yep. know, there were like three. And now... It's exploded to such an extent that, well, two things. One, corporations used to be able to do two, three campaigns a year, yep. you know, one for each of those three mediums. And now they have to do 3,000 mm -hmm. or 30,000 mm -hmm. if you get into social constant posting, mm -hmm. which is this massive shift in complexity for the big corporations. Yes. But even, I think, for the smaller to medium-sized companies, it's the, the volume of what they are they have a self-expectation that they need to produce is yeah. so massive. How yeah. do you counsel personal brands, small and medium-sized businesses about how much content or how much marketing they have to go to yeah. market with? I think, as, I, as I've already said, that we've got access now to video cameras, social media, all of these great broadcasting tools. And that's great and it's fabulous and it brings marketing into the budgets of everybody. Whereas 10, 15 years ago, you know, you had to be a big corporate in order to be able to afford this right. stuff. Now we can have access to it for a fraction of the cost, but there is a bit of a problem, I think. And that's because we've now got all of this communications technology, the discipline of marketing, I think, is in danger of just becoming about that communication. Okay. So, for example, we're here at the Upreneur Summit, and sometimes at conferences like this, when people talk about marketing, what they're actually talking about is communication. So we want to do video marketing. What they actually mean is video communication. We want to do Twitter marketing. What they actually mean is Twitter communication. Now, traditional marketing, you've already mentioned one, was a couple of TV channels. You might do a TV advertising campaign or a billboard advertising campaign. Back in those days, marketing was also researching your customer, coming up with a segment of the population, targeting a segment of the population, creating a, an offer, a position, I guess, which was a product or a service right. that you'd have to put a price against, that you'd have to work out how you're going to distribute it. You might package it up, you might brand it. And once you've done all of that, then you would communicate it. But I think that one of the downsides of where we are now is that some of us have sort of forgotten about all of our other stuff because I want to get my, my hands on the video. I want to get my hands on Twitter. I want to get my hands on, on, on the communication. So my counsel to the people that I work with is, yes, let's use all of this. And whether you do five campaigns a year or a daily campaign or whatever it is, please don't turn Twitter on. Please don't turn your video camera on until you've done all that other stuff. Right. You've still got to work out who your target customer is, what your offer to that target customer is, and the pricing and all of that sort of thing, before you even start to think about the communication. And perhaps one of the problems we face today is that and these tools are exciting, aren't they? So sometimes we say, I want to dive in and start communicating, but I haven't actually got anything to What am I going to say? <laughs> yeah. And that's when it doesn't work because right. you haven't done, I guess, the strategy. Now, right. I know that the, the S word puts a lot of people off because strategy to a lot of people means SWOT analysis, pest analysis, 
Austin grids and soft matrices, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all right. that sort of thing. But actually strategy is just two things. It's it's having a an offer, that's your product or service, and it's having a set of goals and that those set those goals could be well, market share, profit, number of people on your list, number of customers, cash flow, whatever it is. But if you haven't got an offer and you haven't got goals, then your communications aren't really going to work. We just heard a speaker actually had a great quote around that. And she said, "There, you know, in order to cut through, there's noise and people want less noise and more intention. And I yes. think what we're talking about is making noise or at least, you know, being visible. There's yes. being visible so, you know, I'm showing up in your feed. Yeah. I always say, you know, out of feed, out of mind. And so people want to show up in the feed so yeah. they get the brand recognition. Yeah. But then they forget about the part about like, what am I actually mm -hmm. representing? Who am I talking to? What mm -hmm. am I selling? You know, what mm -hmm. am I, the other, the other big thing that which I see on websites all the time is like, what do you want people to do? Yes. Do you want them to go to your site? Do you want them to click an opt-in? Yeah. Do you want them to, you know, buy a course? Yeah. And you have to be really intentional mm -hmm. cutting through the noise to get to the intention mm -hmm. to do that. So how, um, how have you used content to develop your own business? Yeah, I think we've talked about having an offer and having goals. As a personal brand, I guess, as I left big corporate, became Roger Edwards Marketing, I had to create an offer. What is my offer as an individual? So my offer as an individual is I can help businesses create simple marketing strategies. So we can achieve all of that stuff that you might have to in the past SWOT analysis and all of that sort of thing, but we can do it simply. So I did work a lot of, put a lot of time in coming up with the offer that I have. Mm. And the goals that I had would be to, to build upon the profile I had when I was in big corporate because I, I was well known in the United Kingdom. Right. So how can I keep my profile out there using blogging, social media, video? And, and what I did immediately when I left big corporate was launched a podcast. Now, the podcast, the main aim of that was to remind people that Roger Edwards might not work for big corporate anymore, but he's still around and he still wants to help. Right. And, and that, was the, that was the whole point of the podcast originally. Yeah. It sort of grew legs. Um, I remember somebody said to me, you've got to do more than seven episodes. Most, most podcasts only last for seven. So I've done 224 now. Wow. But the reality was I didn't get any actual business as an individual until episode 33. Okay. So I'd done 33 episodes and I think it was somebody asked me to write in a 500 word article. I think I got paid 250 pounds, uh, $300 maybe. And it wasn't until episode 89 before I got a really meaty piece of consultancy, which was a nice big earner. Right. So again, you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to use the tools that are, are available to promote your offer and to fulfill your goals. But it also, and I think, again, this was said at the conference over the last few days, you're in it for the long game. Yeah. You've got to, you know, seven episodes of a podcast ain't going to cut it. You know, I've done 224. If you're going to start doing video, you know, your, your video on YouTube, you, yeah. know, you didn't get to hundreds of thousands of subscribers by doing three videos. No. You were there week in, week out, yeah. showing up, delivering value. Two years yeah. before, before I uh -huh. one of them went viral. Yeah. And I mean, I had a similar experience. I probably had done 50 videos before mm -hmm. I got, um, really started to show up in mm -hmm. search for one thing, because mm -hmm. then the algorithm will catch on to you. Yeah. But also, you know, that first piece of referral business yeah. where you ask, you know, where did you hear about me? Yeah. And they say, oh, I saw a video on YouTube. Yes, and, um, and one of the beautiful things about that 
in doing content like that is that when people finally do come to you and are you know are interested in hiring you as a consultant or to write or whatever mm -hmm. that is, um, they already feel like they know you yes. and they feel like they can trust you. Yes. So there's even though content is a huge investment and a long game in terms of the, the amount of sweat equity that you have to put into it in order to get anything out of it. Uh -huh. That by but but time but the time you do that, you have such an a library of evergreen content that it will continually work for you. Yeah. But when people do come to you, they feel like they already know you and they already want to do business with you. Yeah. So it cuts off that first, I always say it always cuts off that first 45 minute conversation where you've got to introduce yourself, prove yourself, you know, roll through your curriculum vitae, you know, and, um, <laughs> and uh, that's the beautiful thing about yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, one of the what a great lesson I had, it was a similar conference like this. You know, I, I did podcasting first and I sort of started to do more video later mm. because I always have this hang up about, you know, I've just got a great big round bald head and I'm not particularly but photogenic. Your, your, your energy <laughs> on video is so, yeah. is so dynamic. Uh -huh. I've always aspired to but, your but, level. But I, but I sort of, it, it, it held me back. Let's be honest, really? it held me back. Um, and at a conference like this, I was, I was having a conversation and somebody behind me turned around, tapped me on the shoulder and said, I recognize your voice. You're that guy who does a marketing and finance podcast. He actually recognized my voice. That's so cool. And, and you know, when you, when you have that sort of compliment from somebody in a, in a, in a, and in an event like this, then that makes you realize exactly what you said. You're getting in front of people, whether it's from an audio or a video perspective, right. and they get to recognize you, like you, trust you. And as you say, once you're in that space, then the, the, the possibility of them doing business with you is so much more likely. Yeah, yeah. because they, whether you, you know, are intentional about that or not, just your constant you know, at offering them value. Yeah. It builds up a level of respect and trust, and you know I call it um, it's kind of subliminal reciprocity, meaning mm. that you're building up this level of subliminal um, want to give back to you yeah. in their head yeah. that they may not even realize. Mm. You know, if you give them so much value that when they finally do come in contact with you, they want to share back with you in yeah. some way, and yeah. whether that's in giving you business or an insight or whatever that is, mm. I think that's a really interesting part of it. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit byol.me forward slash Philip, P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's byol.me forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. You are really deep into the digital marketing world and doing that for mm -hmm. yourself and for your clients. Mm -hmm. Do you see any trends out there in, in personal branding or in marketing that you think creative professionals or entrepreneurs should kind of pay attention to these days? Yeah, I think it probably comes back to some of the things we've already said. I think you've got to know what your offer is. You know, I'm, I'm a per personal brand entrepreneur. Well, what does that really mean? What do you stand for? What problems do you solve? So if you, if, you know, coming up with your offer is usually just answering three questions. Who's your customer? And, and, and try to be really specific 
about who those customers is. For goodness sake, don't say my customers are millennials. You know, you can't target a third of the world's population. Don't even say my targets are people in the UK. Don't even say I target people aged 30 to 50 in the UK. You know, you've got to be really specific. Yeah. I look after small businesses with less than 50 employees who work in a particular sector and have this problem. Be really specific. And then what is their problem? What is their issue that they face? Is it putting together a marketing strategy? Do they find that complicated? Can I make it simpler for them? That's my offer. And then third, and this is really important, how do you do that? How do you solve that problem better? And again, somebody said this in the in the presentation downstairs, better and preferably different, different yeah. to anybody else. The problem with better is that you can be better than somebody else until somebody else is better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if you're different, it's probably likely that it will be longer for somebody to be better than you because they actually have to copy what you've done in the first place. Whereas if you are just slightly better, if you produce six widgets instead of five widgets, then along comes somebody tomorrow with seven widgets and they're better than you. And I think also, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, a more P2P, person-to-person type of relationship rather than person-to-corporate, yeah. that that personal relationship and your personality and how you go about business, mm -hmm. how you communicate, what your energy is, what you bring to a conversation, yeah. how you do that differently. You know, some people, it's like consuming content. Some people like to listen to content. Mm -hmm. Some people like to watch it. Some people like to read it. Same thing with working with a branding partner or yeah. design partners that yeah. people may want to work with someone of Roger's mm -hmm. energy. Someone mm -hmm. may want to work with someone who's, you know, more quiet and mm -hmm. little, I don't know, quiet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, embracing your own personality and mm -hmm. developing your own, you know, personal brand to an extent in finding what your differentiation is yeah. can help your clients make the choice yeah. you know, between you and someone else. I think you're right. And, and, and again, we live in this digital world now and there's a lot of talk about artificial intelligence and, and all of this sort of thing and robots taking people's jobs yeah. and artificial people. I have a suspicion that the majority of human beings still like talking to other human beings. Yeah. And, and, and the fabulous thing about the world that we live in now is that we've now got cost-effective methods of projecting our own personalities out there to talk to like-minded people more than we've ever had in in the history of the world mm. and if you are prepared to put yourself out there and show your personality whether you scream and shout and wave your arms about or whether you're a bit quiet i can do quiet as well <laughs> no you there can. are going to be people <laughs> out there who will want to do business with you and, right. and it's you putting yourself out there your personality your face, your voice, whatever it might be, your expertise, right. and how you can help somebody solve the problem that they face, that will be the way that you grow your personal brand. And the one thing I wanted to call out to the audience also is that what you said about the problem that you solved, defining the problem you're solving, yeah. telling people how you solve it and how you do it and different and better, you do that really well on mm -hmm. your website. And that's mm -hmm. something that in auditing um, entrepreneurs' websites and companies' websites, I'm always telling them, which is that you have to communicate in a problem-solution mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And you start off, I mean, your headline is a question. Yeah. And I think that it's to get that 
is this your problem? Can you identify with this problem? Mm -hmm. And then walking them through that customer journey. Mm -hmm. That's something that a lot of creative professionals and entrepreneurs don't do. They mm -hmm. come right out of the gate and they talk about themselves. Yeah. I am so-and-so, I do video editing, I went to this school, I worked with these clients, it's all mm -hmm. about me, 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 me. Mm -hmm. And it kind of creates a barrier between you and the prospector, you and yeah. the person coming to your site. You want to immediately get them into that identification and you do that really, really well. It's almost like a filter, isn't it, in a way? Because if, I think the first question is, are you a small business looking to put together a marketing strategy? Well, if you aren't a small business looking to put together a marketing you don't need to read any further. Right. You know, do you find marketing strategy confusing or difficult? Is it complicated? And, and if people answer these questions, they'll, they'll almost like self-select themselves as being potential customers. And then hopefully they'll watch a few videos and listen to a few of the podcasts and decide whether I'm the right fit for them. But yeah, you're right. We, one of the most powerful ways of getting people to think about what they need is to answer, ask questions. And, and if you don't ask questions, then it, it, it can be quite a barrier to, to people. And that's your way in and the answers yeah. to those questions. Yeah. So I always ask my guests this at the end of the interview. Yeah. Is there a, you know, a personal mantra or some sort of manifesto that you try to live your life by? I, I tried, I mean, it, it's such an age-old cliche, isn't it? Keep it simple, stupid, the KISS principle. I sort of, uh, I, I just adapt that. I just like things to be simple. You know, after 25 years of big corporate, you know, complexity, management speak, mumbo-jumbo, jargon and, and, and horrible processes, what I like to try to do is to, is to bring everything back to simplicity. So, for example, if I'm writing an article, once I've finished it, I'll say to myself, can I get a paragraph down to a sentence? And anything that was a sentence at the first place, can I get that down to one or two words or even one word? If it's a product, can I simplify it in the same way as I would simplify a sentence? So mm. simplification, to me, is the way is the way to engage because the simpler something is the more engaging it is the more complicated something is the more enraging it is oh that's so, interesting so, I so, love that. so my i guess my mantra is engage don't enrage and the best way to do that oh. is to keep things simple <laughs> that's great that's awesome so uh, roger where can people find you okay two places rogeredwards.co.uk that's my website and i hang out on twitter quite a lot and that's at roger underscore edwards and where can they find your podcast and what's that called? The podcast is called The Marketing and Finance Podcast. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on Stitcher Radio. If you actually type in Marketing and Finance Podcast into Google, you will find it. Well, Roger, thank you so much for talking to us no today. Problem. I really appreciate it. No problem. Great to speak to you. You too. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.